Jonathan back with you for another Bible Thump, and uh, we're in the book of Romans, and we're reading it, and we're trying to find some encouragement from it, um, and we're not getting too hung up on all the particulars. <laughs> I'm not trying to unpack the meaning of every single verse in this book, because it's, it's a lot. But what we are trying to do is read it and find some encouragement, and so let's read, and um, I want to set this in context. Paul's writing to churches in Rome. First century Rome, right? Not long, this is not long after Jesus has risen from the dead, right? And the church has been birthed. And uh, Paul's writing to these churches um, about a lot of issues between Jewish and Gentile Christians. That's sort of the, the context in which he's writing. But ultimately, he's challenging this church to like live out their faith. That's ultimately what he wants. He wants them not to be hypocrites. He wants them to live in such a way that embodies their faith in Jesus, their love of Jesus. And that's ultimately what God wants for us. And that's ultimately, I think, in a large part, what the Bible serves to do for us. Um, we complicate it so much, but here's ultimately what we ought to go to the Bible looking for. Encouragement, help, direction, uh, a word from God of how to in embody our faith, how to live out our faith. Um, it informs us about our faith, but it also empowers us to live it out. All right, so if we have that in mind, We'll step into Romans 3 with some encouragement, some readiness, some understanding to, to try to live out our faith. And so last week we looked at the judgment of God in Romans 3. This week we're going to look at the hope that comes out of the reality of judgment up against law. So when we put ourselves against God's law, we fall short, we don't measure up, we don't measure up to, to his standards. Um, so Paul's then going to offer hope. And I want to be clear, Paul's going to offer hope because he sees it as possible that we could actually live up to the standards of God. We don't have to keep falling short. We don't keep, have to keep feeling like failures. Jesus has done something to make it possible for us, possible for us to live up to God's standards and to live faithfully and productively um, and positively in his good world. All right, so let's see if we can figure that out. Romans 3, starting in verse 21. Romans 3, 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and prophets, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to read the rest, but I want to pause there. Okay, so Paul's saying the righteousness of God, which we all need, it's not impossible. That's a big part of the message of this letter. It's not impossible. It's not this lofty goal that none of us can attain. It is possible. And it's possible for you now, but it's not through keeping the law. And Paul makes really clear, by the way, I'm not saying the law sucks. <laughs> I hope I can say that on, on LTN radio. He's not saying the, he's not damn, he's not damaging the law. He's not saying the law is worthless. He's not saying the law is unnecessary. The law is really good because it shows us something of who God is and what he values and what he's like and what he wants for us. So just take the Ten Commandments. Um, the Ten Commandments say, you shall, have, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, a good life, a life of human flourishing, is one in which we prioritize the worship of God over and above everything else. Um, it says, don't steal, right? It says, don't bear false witness. So, so the law is encouraging us to live peacefully with our neighbors. And it's saying, if you steal from your neighbors, that's not going to lead to human flourishing. If you uh, lie, about your neighbors or misrepresent them to other people, what's that going to do? 
It's going to damage your relationship with those people. It's going to make you untrustworthy. It's going to hurt you and the community in which you live. All right? So the law is good. Paul's not saying the law is worthless. What he's saying the law can't do is that it can't fix our relationship with God. It can't make us better. It's not like we can go back and undo all the ways we've broken the law, right? Um, if you've, if you've, for instance, like go back to bearing false witness. If you've lied about someone in such a way that slandered their character and kept them from like advancing, getting a job, or like has harmed their family in some really specific way, like you can't just pretend that didn't happen. That damage has been done. So the law doesn't fix us. It doesn't heal us. It doesn't bring the healing that we need. It's good though. It's not a bad thing. Don't don't begin because a lot of times we can read the Bible, especially the New Testament. Obviously, uh, parts of the New Testament and think the law is oppressive and um, almost like it's a bad thing because we can't keep it. The law is really good, uh, and the fact that we can't keep it tells us that we need a better law, uh, something someone to speak on our behalf. So, how can we be righteous? Paul's really clear, verse twenty-two: the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So how do, we, how do we get to be righteous? How do we live uh, a life that pleases God? Well, we look to Jesus. That righteousness is, is in, it's in him. We look to him. He possesses that righteousness that we need. All right, let's read on. Verse 22. Um, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there's no distinction. For all of sin falls short of the glory of God, and they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his restraint God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. So in the gospel, in this in 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 God offering up Jesus as a as a atonement, a, a payment, a, a sacrifice for our sins, what happens is that we're given the righteousness of God, and God shows himself to be righteous still. God demonstrates his goodness, his justice, his righteousness, and then gives us the righteousness of Jesus. It's a really beautiful and unfair transaction, but it demonstrates um, the unparalleled care and love of Jesus. No one loves like this. No one loves like Jesus loves. No one loves like God loves us through Jesus. Um, all right, so how, how should this impact us? Paul says in verse 27, Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By one of works? No, on the contrary, by a law of faith. Paul's saying you can't brag about your standing with God. You can't brag about being righteous because you didn't earn it. Your keeping of the law didn't earn God's love for you. And this is one of those things that distinguishes Christianity from almost every other worldview, because almost every other worldview says, get your act together, fix yourself, do this, do that, and then you'll have acceptance, then you'll have love, then you'll be okay, then you'll be on the right path, right? Whereas Jesus says, no, accept that you can't fix yourself, and then you'll be on the right path. But I want to be really clear, Christianity does intend to get us on that right path. It doesn't intend for us to just brag about how much we've been forgiven, it's not freedom for the sake of freedom. It's freedom for the sake of relationship. And it frees us to then actually live a real embodied life of righteousness. A life that, em that embodies and, and upholds the values of Jesus, the values of God in day-to-day -day life, day after day, right? 
All right, so where then is the boasting that is excluded? By what kind of law? By one of works. Um, no, on the contrary, by law of faith, Paul says. For we, are, we conclude, verse 28, for we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then nullify the law through, the, through faith? Absolutely not. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So Paul's point here is a little bit complicated, but I'm going to try to summarize it for you really briefly. And there was this debate in the early church about like what made someone a, a, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and what made someone a Jew. And by the way, like people in the early church in the first century saw themselves as Jews. I mean, Christians, Christians in the first century, definitely, most of them, not the Gentile Christians probably, exactly, um, but most of them would have thought of themselves as Jews. And many early Gentile Christians too would have thought of themselves as as converting to, to Christi- not to Christianity, but to Judaism, but to Judaism under the Messiah, under Jesus as Messiah, right? Um, and so what Paul's saying here is, is like, look, there's not two separate groups. And he's also saying, by the way, um, Judaism is not something that Jesus has done away with, but rather something Jesus has fulfilled, right? So Paul never disparages the law. He doesn't look down on the law. He doesn't look down on Judaism. In fact, he sees... Um, himself as as someone living in a new era of, as it were, a new era of Judaism. Judaism has taken a new step forward in its trajectory under God's guidance and rule and, and, and direction. Um, and so he's saying, um, no, listen, the way we are righteous, in other words, we, the way we get on the right path in the world and with God is through faith in Jesus. And that applies to Jew and Gentile alike. It applies to us all. And that's really good news because it says that you and I can get on the right trajectory. We can get on that right path. Don't, isn't that what we all want? We all want to be on the right path for our lives. We all want to be going in a direction of substance. We all want to be going in a direction that's going to make an impact. We all want to, I think deep down anyway, we all want to live good lives that make a difference in the world and that um, promote our flourishing and the flourishing of our neighbors. Um, and of course, like we go back to Romans 3, we, we lose sight of that, right? And instead, we, we have feet that are swift to shed blood and ruin and wretchedness, wretchedness are in our paths and, and the venom of vipers is on our lips. Like we're saying things that hurt people and damage people and um, we're not doing good. We're, 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 we're causing harm with our hearts, with what's in our hearts, with our thoughts, our words, and our actions, are actively making the world a worse place. But here's the restoration. Faith in Jesus leads us to own the righteousness of God. And once we own that righteousness, we then begin to embody it and live it out. And instead of having feet that are swift to shed blood, we begin to have feet that are quick to spread the good news of peace. And instead of having mouths that spit the venom of vipers and damage and harm people, we begin, we begin step by step, slowly but surely, not overnight, but step by step, sh- slowly and surely use our words to bless and encourage and build others up, to establish the kingdom, to embody the righteousness of Jesus, to talk about the righteousness of Jesus, to talk about a better way to be human. And that's through faith in Jesus. Hope this is encouraging to you. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>